is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Tom Gabbard, CEO and president of the Blumenthal Performing Arts Center. And we cover a lot, everything from discipline to optimism and having empathy for others, which comes from respect. Also being a low-touch manager and how to enable the people he works with and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Tom Gabbard. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe. And today with me on Zoom is Tom Gabbard. Tom, thank you for joining me today. Good to be here. I, there's so much I want to I want to talk to you about. Of course, the Blumenthal and what what you've worked on down there and up here in New York on um, Broadway. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Uh, I the 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 point that that I um, look back to is fourth grade when I started playing the French horn and decided I wanted to be a high school band director. I I had this transformative experience going on a school field trip to hear the, the U.S. Marine Corps band. And I thought that was really cool. Started playing the French horn and and decided, you know, that was a life for me. So, you know, obviously I'm not a high school band director and yet working in the arts, organizing, community building and all of those things that have been essential to me now to see how long I've been doing this work professionally, 44 years. God bless. God bless. What did your parents teach you about work ethic? You know, the, the, these were wonderfully hardworking people. My, my dad was a career employee with NASA. Uh, so I, so I was fortunate to grow up in, in that space age Gemini moonwalk era. Uh, and, and I think, you know, one of the things particularly during this COVID era that, that stuck with me was that you get smart minds together and, and, and have some resources, you will figure out solutions and, and, and that, that ability to, to just lean in and creatively think about how to find solutions. That's something that I was fortunate to be raised with. And then I, you know, look to a situation like COVID and realize, boy, being inculcated with that kind of, of passion to find solutions, I'm so fortunate to have been raised with that. Finding the concept that you've just brought up of finding solutions and bringing people together, it really starts with optimism. You have to be optimistic that you will get to the outcome. Where where does that where does that come for you? How do you view you know optimism or or being pessimistic or not <laughs> in life? Does anything come to mind? It you know I I, I think when you talk about optimism uh, that doesn't preclude being practical and being pragmatic mm-hmm. and and that's where you know I I think I've been lucky to have been raised with the balance of those things to. Mm-hmm to realize that you have to be hopeful that there are solutions and realistically understand that sometimes uh, those solutions don't come as fast as you'd like, but they certainly come, you know, as a result of hard work. So, so realizing that there are solutions out there, you just have to stay at it. What did your parents teach you about kindness? Oh boy. Another one that I was so fortunate, uh, about that i i think first of all um you know i i i think they raised me to be very aware of of people that were were not as blessed as we were 
you know, growing up, starting at about 10 years old, my father, beyond his work at NASA, was very involved with kind of a Peace Corps Habitat for Humanity type work where we went to Mexico and, and he would take groups of students there and actually build houses. And so that sense of, of, of empathy for other people and, and, and their plights, I think that was something that was certainly inculcated. But, but ultimately realizing that, that all of this comes from respect, you know, that, that if you take respect for other people seriously, then, then kindness and understanding, all those things that are important attributes come when you have a fundamental respect for other people. Hmm. That's a great answer. Do you, do, do you or have you had early on any mentors and were there any standout pieces of advice or lessons learned from those mentors? I mean, you know, it's probably part of the reason why I work in the arts and theater that I had uh, had a number of those that are key mentors, but particularly a high school theater teacher uh, who, who really leaned in to, to nurture a lot of us. Um, and, you know, and part of that, we I was in a high school where we would do three musicals just in the summer. Wow. In the summer, you add, add the rest of the year to it. And there was even more than that. But I think one of the things he, he taught me that, that, that has been apropos was he, you know, he would organize these things, uh, but hire other directors. And so there was, there was a low touch element to it. He wasn't a micromanager. And, and that's something that I think uh, I absorbed that, you know, that, that yep, I, I'm deeply involved in a lot of these things, but I also realize the necessity for people to have some freedom, some arm's length. And that uh, that particularly when you're creating artistic work that, that is going to be successful, there, you know, that, that, you, that you need a, a relatively modest touch to it to not overwhelm the creatives who need some freedom. How has that how has that balance worked for you? And what has that self-talk been when you maybe see something going wrong and you're like, no, they have to discover that, or I need to jump in now? How do you how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean it, that that that's a hard thing. I, I I do think you know some of this revolves around making good choices at the outset as to who you choose to support. And the word I use most frequently in our shop here is that we're enablers. And, and so if, if you're focused on enabling, that means that you pick those who you enable, you pick them very carefully. Uh, and so I think if you, you know, you do your, your due diligence to understand who is deserving of your support, who you can trust, who you think has the capacity, um, then then first of all i think you you know you missed some problems because you've you're trusting the right people you're not you're not just uh you know quickly making choices to trust people that aren't trustworthy how how has that i to me i see that as taste right taste in the work we choose taste in the people how how has your taste evolved in theater and the arts I think I've always had a very eclectic taste, you know, uh, my, my undergrad degree was in music, but I was always very involved in theater, technical theater. Um, so, you know, I, 
I think I've always had this adventurous spirit that that loved all of the elements of the arts. I I had less involvement with visual arts until later in my life. Um, but yeah, I think I always had this appetite <clears throat> um, to to be a sponge, you know, for, for for what was out there, and to realize that that trained up my aesthetic. Uh, when when I was in college, you know, because my parents were retired uh, and we really had no money, um, I, I would. I was lucky to get a full tuition scholarship, um, but I took one semester off where um, I had to give up the scholarship. It was a performance scholarship mm-hmm. and and went to Europe and and was in a college program over there. Um, and, and and it was because I wanted to experience all that. I couldn't afford to be there. So I, I had a year rail pass where I could be on the train. And when I would travel, I'd go one direction half the night and then get off the train and come back the other direction so I could sleep on the train. But, but it was really about trying to immerse myself artistically, you know, and to experience things that I had never experienced before. And that's been part of my advice to students over the years is to make sure you find yourself in a place that you can experience a really wide variety of things. In, In college, I had a student subscription to the Los Angeles Philharmonic and to the Mark Tabor Forum. Hmm. Um, pretty pretty diverse range there, but I knew it was important for me uh, and for my my aesthetic taste to, to have a, a range of experiences. Hmm. Is, there, is there a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount about yourself? Oh boy. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to pull those things out because, because every one of these experiences have been important and have been at different moments in time. Sure. Um, so yeah. Um, sorry, sorry. I don't have a good story on that one, but, but I think I've been, I've been fortunate to have a lot of different experiences that I've enriched by. How have you you gotten better at listening to your gut, your gut instinct? or intuition how how do you how do you view that how do you get quiet with yourself <laughs> yeah I, I that's one thing that certainly has changed and, and especially you know uh b- becoming more more comfortable with risk because because gut ties in with action which ties in with being comfortable with risk and you know probably like a lot of people, I can look back and say, boy, I, I wish I had shown more courage earlier in my career that I had, had trusted my my instincts and trusted that I'd be able to manage financial risk and those mm-hmm. things. So yeah, that that has certainly changed a lot. And But that, that listening to your gut, whether or not you're talking about shows, whether you're talking about uh, HR issues, you know, I... I supervise a, a large team. We have 120 people here, and I've, I've over the years, usually had fairly large staffs. And and even from a from a personnel manage management standpoint, there are times you know where employees may not succeed. And I look back and I say, boy, I should have had the courage to deal with that earlier. Hmm. So, yeah, that 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 is something I think all of us over time realize that there's reason have more confidence in our decision and confidence in being able to manage risk of various sorts. It, it's all so connected, 
And I've, I've found that too, you know, the truer I am to myself, the better the outcome for everyone who's associated. That is so true. And, you know, I, I, I've told our team many times over the years that, that, you know, the best thing I do to sleep well at night <clears throat> is to go, go to bed as best I can with a clear conscience. And I, and maybe it's just because I am a person that takes ethics strongly that, that I think if you can, you know, look at your decision-making, if you, you look at your values and have a clear conscience that you're making good decisions or at least the best decision possible and you're ethical about it, then everything about life is easier. Mm -hmm. Yes. So many problems are created. <laughs> By not being true to yourself. That's the opposite of what I just said. Yeah, that's a really good that's answer. Right. Um, I want to talk for a moment on views, views on professional relationships in the industry, because this really is such a community. Do you have any particular, well, views on your working relationships, how you manage them, maintain them, or generally look at them? You know, I think, I think first of all, um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're really committed to it, it is work and not, not work in an unpleasant way, but you have to invest the time. Yeah. And I think sometimes people, especially when it comes to developing relationships are, are not willing to invest the time. And, and then there's no opportunity to authentically uh, develop that relationship. But the, you know, the, the other thing that I think has been important to me that served me very well is, is trying to understand what other people need from that relationship with me or what they need, you know, that I could help them with. Um, that, that, that I, I just think there has to be an enlightened self-interest um, where you understand what that other person's needs are. And I think sometimes we become so consumed with what we need that we don't spend enough time or effort in understanding what they need and to realize that if we help them with what they need, then ultimately we will get what we need. And, and I think that's what I've been pretty good at is trying to focus in on, so what is it that they need from this, you know, that, that ultimately we can make progress better and faster if I really have as good an understanding as possible of, of what they need from the relationship, be it a business relationship or a personal relationship. I really do believe that if you help enough other people get what they want, you will get what you want. It's kind of just the way it works. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>